I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Brought to you by Open Studio. I was going to say that, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> I can now say presented by Open Studio. Oh, am I jumping in too no, much? No, no, you're fine. You're fine. That's good. That's good. That's good enough. We don't need to overkill it. Did somebody else present it? No, I didn't know just about? Open Studio. Okay. That's us. Right. Yeah. Audio engineer, Eli Kofer. Eli Kofer. What's up, Eli? Um, Eli is not on mic, but he's manning the mics, and he's very close to us as part of the process. And if those of you that are joining us on YouTube, we're available there. We're, we are everywhere. We're I was going to say we're worldwide, but we were already worldwide. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're trying. That's right. Uh, big shout out to Canada, by the way. Man, we are, our listenership in Canada is, is outsized based upon the population. It's not outsized <laughs> based upon the geographic size of that country. That's a massive country. Yep. You ever flown over that country, like I end have. to end? Yeah, yeah. Big it's, country. It's huge. Canada's hip, though, man. Canada is hip. Things, you know, are going a little bit, uh, I don't want to say downwards in the U.S., but it's, it is a little bit. So we're looking at Canada. Man, Some I went, nice to, stuff up we there. went to Montreal last year. That is a great That's city. Right. You Dude, had a great that, trip. Good jazz scene, like off yeah. solid food and art scene. Really, really cool place. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so speaking of Canada, I think this is a uh, we have a voice question we're going to address today from Canada. Cool. I may be making that up, but I think it's right. So let's take a listen. Hey, Peter and Adam. This is Tim from the east coast of Canada. I love the podcast. Thanks so much for the show. My question is for anyone who's holding down the bass end of the band, whether it's actually a bass or a piano or a guitar or whatever, what are you most looking for from the person covering the low end? Maybe it's three things the bass chair has to do, four things you wish they wouldn't do or are necessary or get in the way. Uh, appreciate it. Again, really like the show. It's making a difference. Thanks. Cool. All right, man. Thank you so much, Tim, for that question from yeah, Eastern, question. Eastern Canada. Yeah. Um, and I like he even gave us, you notice he said three, maybe three reasons and then four reasons. He already knows we're thinking seven. That's right. But we may go a little bit even more free form on this one because I think that, that we, a little deep, a quick deep dive might be fun on this. Yeah, you know, last week we kind of did this with the drums, right? Where we yeah. kind of talked about what we really like in drummers that we play with and yeah. what we don't like uh, in, in drummers. We could do this for bassists, but this does apply, I think, to pianists and even guitarists when you're holding down the root end. I don't know. I mean, I think there are some basic principles that apply. Obviously, like uh, time is important. Yes. Groove is super important. Mm -hmm. But then I think there is a simplicity mm. to the sound of, of the root notes or, or the bottom end of, of the band, especially with the bass player. You know, we've done some courses here at Open Studio with some, a couple of really great bass players, uh, Christian McBride and Ruben Rogers. Yep. And both of them talk about the importance of sound production, and then simplicity in playing. Mm. I think that's what gets overlooked. That's it's right. so easy to overplay on that lower end. Right. Whether you're a bassist or a pianist doing stuff. Right, yeah. And I, I always think about when, um, you know, as a pianist, when I'm put into that situation where I need to, and I love the way Tim put the, the question, that, that, that bottom end, he didn't say bass player. Right. And then, we, you know, obviously it often comes on the bassist, but I think, you know, as a pianist, I'm, I'm looking towards emulating not necessarily the specific notes or way that a bass player plays them because it's a different instrument. And I think just trying to ape a bass on the piano, ape their style is not necessarily the most effective. But to get into some of this kind of more the, the function and the fundamental way that they hold it down, the way that a great bass player holds it down mm -hmm. and then apply that to the piano or to the guitar or to the tuba. I mean, I mean, we really think about a lot of this comes out of, 
you know, early New Orleans music, a lot of time the bottom, yeah. as the question asked, you know, the bottom is the tuba. And still, I mean, like if you if you look at the way modern brass bands play in, in New Orleans or, or anywhere they're playing in that sort of a tradition, the bass um, lays that foundation in a very functional way that is not necessarily like stylistically like a bass player would do it yeah um, I'm, I'm sorry the tuba the, the tuba, tuba lays it down yeah, yeah. you know or it could be an electric bass it could be whatever but like the great ones i think really adapt um to their instrument these sort of elements you know the simplicity the the harmonic bass of course the groove and the time and i always think about two things that are so important because whoever's holding down the bottom everything is building up from that from the standpoint of you know the harmonic and melodic flow mm -hmm. and that is foundation mm -hmm. you know and 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 very easy to visualize this if we think about a house um you know how the foundation has to be strong if it's a raised foundation if it's a stone if it's a basement whatever but that no matter whatever you're building above it is only it's going to be as strong and as beautiful as the foundation allows it to be and and certainly people's playing playing at the bottom uh, of the band are really good at that you know yeah. i think supporting but also laying that base um and then fundamental Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, to your point of simplicity, when you're playing in a simple way, and that doesn't necessarily mean not a lot of notes. I mean, yep. Christian McBride knows how to play very fundamentally and very simply, but can, can get to a lot of notes. But he's still got that functional, foundational harmony happening. Mm -hmm. And then at the right time, breaking it down to the very simplistic things. Yeah, I mean, for his course that we have here on Open Studio, you and I both did some transcribing for that. Yeah. And what I found amazing as I was transcribing... I think I did one of his lessons where he was playing a blues or maybe it was a rhythm changes or something. It was something very standard harmony. And I was not shocked, but I was a little surprised at how much he tends to stick to the root or the five, the fundamental of what's going on in the chord, but how great he makes those sound. Yes. And I was like, well, this is this man's genius right here. And, and the genius of all great bass players is that they can make those fundamental tones that really lock in the harmony interesting they can they can vary them up in an artistic way and then they have this great taste when they want to throw in something a little more it's at the right time yeah you know absolutely. but everything feels locked down first yeah point. yeah and i mean what we talked about last week when we talked about drummers in a similar way uh, and and one of us or maybe both of us noted the importance of, of a great drummer being able to mark the form in a, in a in a really skillful and totally. organic way. And I would say that for bassists as well, that's important. Maybe it's, a, it's done a little bit differently, I think, because, you know, the drums, the way that they can mark the form and kind of control that is more obvious, you know, kind of more obtuse. Um, whereas for the bass, in terms of how the form lays within the harmony and that root movement, they're the, the great bass player, or the great pianist, or whoever is going to be doing that, holding it down, that's the place to mark it and, and to define the architecture of the, of the harmony, of the harmonic form of the tune. Yeah. So like when it, if there isn't a bass there, I would say like what I try to do is when I'm playing piano, if it's like a duo situation, you're kind of trying to hold it all down, um, is really think about the ways that the piano can do that same function. So we don't have to necessarily go walk a bass line, but when do we go down to the roots? What, what is the very simple functional kind of harmony that we can add with that maybe root um, with the shell plus one or something so that it's very clear, especially at those places in the form where it needs to be delineated. Yeah. And, you know, I think the kind of answer to the question of, of uh, that we're asking with this whole episode uh, starts with the two feel to me. Like mm -hmm. it was interesting you brought up the tuba because 
I'm, as I'm thinking about it, it's really the upright bass is one of the only instruments that can pull off the walking four feel. Right. You know, every other instrument, for some reason, doesn't have the attack or the, or the, the punch that really makes that work like right. a bass does, like an right. upright bass does. Um, and every folk music around the world, almost every folk music around the world, is based off some kind of two feel. Right. Where, where the bottom end hits these, like, one and three motions. Right. Some, some cultures, it's two and four. But, like, you know, there's this, like... Um, bigger movement that happens as yep. the smaller movements happen up above it. Um, so I would advise, especially for pianists, if you don't have your two feel game together, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's more, way more important than a walking four. Exactly. That, that is way, way, for a bass player too, I think. Yep. I mean, that is where the foundation of, of the music really comes from. Yeah. And then the four, it's such an oddity. Jazz is really one of the only th musics I can think of that has this like walking four beats on the bass. Right, right. But it's based off the two, you know, exactly. it's still based off the two. Yeah, and I think really only, uh, I mean, I'll go into a, uh, you know, solo piano into a walking bass line sometimes, but I always have this feeling of like, ugh, I wish this was a bass doing it, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I feel pretty comfortable walking bass lines and I enjoy doing it, but I really do it more for practice and mm -hmm. for thinking about writing for the bass or playing with bass players and stuff. I don't actually just like to do it that much. I, I like to have the walking four feel even without a bass player, solo piano or duo, yeah. in which we play in a way like it's walking, not to feel, but without even actually walking. Yeah. And you can kind of simulate that. Yeah, of course, it's not like having the bass do it, but it's the same thing like with the drums when you're kind of imagining, tipping, going, right. going to that ride symbol, that nice medium kind of feel. And I think that, you, you know, the, some really interesting things can happen when you don't try to imitate the thing, but you try to hear it and, and, and add a little bit that's appropriate to your instrument that gives it that solid foundation. But think about too, when you work on a two feel, which I, I work on in my solo piano playing all the time, think about what you get from that. You really yeah. get a great understanding of the movements in between the, the, the big you know, landmarks of a tune yes. that you're doing, right? Yep. Like you really have to, you know, we talk about connecting the dots. It can get easy, especially as a pianist, where we are always thinking about extensions or whatever. Yeah. It can be easy to get off the, the, the dots. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, but if you have that two feel and you start connecting those dots, it becomes very clear Yeah. what sounds good. Well, and one thing we haven't talked about, we should probably touch on a little bit too, is the, you know, we're talking about the foundation and building up from the bass. I think it's very important for the, the bassist, whoever is playing the bottom end, also to find those times when it's appropriate to react in terms of, uh, you know, the melodic movement of that, you know, baseline or, or root movement based upon what everybody else is doing. Right. And so this is another thing that great bass players do. It's like, yeah, they're laying it down, they're hitting the roots at the right place, but then depending on where the solo's going or where the melody or, or it could be comping, could be something with the drums or whatever, then they start to make a choice to leave the root or play the root at a different beat yeah. or, or, you know, going into four versus two and all those things. Pedal, pedal tones. Pedal like tones. All these yeah, go to five. yeah, and it becomes such a great interactive thing. So I think the great bass players have such a great ability to slide between those two worlds yeah. and then hit that middle ground, which is very exciting when you're not just laying it down where everyone's solid on top and you're not totally interacting with everything they do like a two-way conversation yeah but you're in the middle where you're doing both yeah. i mean that's a really exciting space where a lot of great bass players live that's high level stuff high level for sure yeah, yeah. And great that's, a that's seven star that's seven star. that's really <laughs> that's really good stuff actually yeah. yeah um yeah and i'm just thinking you know one thing that you often hear pianists um again we've been really lucky to to be around like reuben rogers talking about his concept on things like this but go, kind of going back to that two feel um 
you know, what, what I remember Ruben specifically talking about is sound production, how important that is mm -hmm. on things like the two feel yep. and how he's not, you know, as pianists, we might think of a two feel as like, bump, bump, bump. But Ruben was talking about really having these long, dum, dum, yeah. like a long half note, right? Yeah, like, like what's happening, not just when you're attacking the note right. or waiting for the next one, what's occurring, which is right. a great concept. Well, we think of it maybe like it's short, like it's dun, yeah. dun. it's not. It's right. this long, beautiful note that really sustains underneath. And that's we were thinking corny, and then Ruben got us thinking a little hip. Yeah, what well, you that's because he's a hip, <laughs> hip bass player. We are not. Right. But, you know, you might think that it's not these long notes, but it really is these long sustained notes that are beautiful and, and don't run together, but have, you know, uh, uh, more sustain than you might think. And yeah, and I'm just, I'm just remembering now Ruben does a thing, especially at a little slower two feel where he'll, he's definitely thinking uh, about between the spaces because he'll like slide up sometimes after he plays a note yeah. kind of at the right time where it's not just a stationary thing and you got to have some length to your, to your tone to even be able to, to, you know, to do that. That's right. So something to consider, you know, as, as a bass player, but also a pianist listening that want to get a good, you know, rooted two feel going. Yeah. Uh, listen to bass players that do this really well. Listen to guys like Ruben and guys like Christian. Yeah. Who do Ron this Carter. Well. Ron Carter. Oh man. Ray Brown. Talk about sustain. Paul Chambers. Those are some good bassists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, guys are older, but they're they're really good. Ben Williams, he was in here. Ben Williams, was he's in a, here. he's a good young bass player that's got some some great sound, great feel. Totally. Yep. Is there anything else that we need to uh, make sure to hit on as far well, as like you know we're we're doing the I was just taking a look here as as we're talking, doing a little multitasking, but just at the end. So are you we got, texting me right now? I'm not texting you because <laughs> you're standing in, sitting in front of me. But the uh, we have YouTube rolling and we got a really yeah. good response. I don't know if you have you ever been to our YouTube page? No. Oh, okay. I'll send you the link, though. I'll text it to you in a second. We, uh, but now I'm trying to, trying to see exactly. Did we do every episode last week on YouTube? Yeah, man. Man, this is incredible. We're going we're gonna to keep rolling on YouTube for a while. Okay, so like we had. Oh, look. See, I'm playing it right there. That's right. So we did. We have obviously the visuals, but it's the same thing as with the podcast. And I was just looking because we got some really nice comments. Um, but I can't seem to see them right now on my phone. Got to scroll all the way down. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dang. I never do that. Yeah, man. <laughs> um. So we got a comment, and this is just random on the first one that I saw, from uh, Richard P., Richard Poynand. Uh, Thank you. Great tips to keep moving forward when time is constrained. Number eight, listen to the, a podcast. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, that was good. Uh, that, good. I remember I liked that That is that a good one. Because that, that was, uh, you'll hear it, seven things to practice when your time is limited. <laughs> Number eight, listen nice. to the podcast. Very funny. Um, so, yeah, check us on YouTube. Check us on iTunes. Um, Stitcher. Stitcher, well, you know what? We're, um, we're going to up our Stitcher game soon. We don't even have a Stitcher game. No, no, but I was just looking like <laughs> our, our friends uh, down the street. Big shout out to RGGEDU, by the way. What? Jesus, was, was that RGG, a word? RGGEDU. RGG. Yeah, RGG. Um, but their website is RGGEDU.com. Anybody who's into photography, videography, check them out. They're yeah. incredible. They're our neighbors. Uh, they're responsible for our, some some of our, our latest uh, beautiful promo videos and and the Diane Reeves. They course shot the Diane Reeves course. They in, were incredible, awesome. and they're, yeah, they're yeah. right down the street. Uh, but they, I noticed, they have a great podcast too. Big shout out to their podcast where they talk to photographers. Seven star podcast. It, you know what? I didn't want to say it was, but it kind of. I've only listened to a few episodes. Kind of sounds like. But most importantly, they're on Stitcher. Stitcher. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna go down. We're gonna go find out how to get on. I'm gonna get a, re a referral from them to get on Stitcher. Game changer. Stitcher? Game changer. Possibly. All right. 
We've got to find out what it is. Uh, and you can always <laughs> go to uh, you'llhearit.com. You can ask us a question. You can uh, just pop in and say hello. You can leave, leave us, us a speak pipe. A speak pipe, uh, which is a voicemail. But yeah, we like voice to, memo. We like to have our own words for things. Um, well, we featured one today from Tim. That's Eastern right. Canada. And uh, again, brought to you by Open Studio. Is there anything I'm leaving out? Um, we no. got YouTube. We got Speak Happy Pipe. Summer. Happy Summer. Happy Summer. We'll see you tomorrow. That's right. You'll hear it.